This is Law Bites, a podcast with Michael Geist. Welcome to the Law Bites podcast. This episode will drop just as the parliamentary session comes to an end and members of parliament break for the summer. Now, about five, six months ago, at the start of the year, I had a pair of podcasts, which provided a year in review, looking back at 2022, and a preview of the session that lay ahead. Given that we're headed into the summer break and much has happened, I thought it would be worth revisiting what's taken place from a digital perspective and provide a bit of summer homework for those Canadians interested in digital policy. Now, back at the start of the year, I identified five main trends to look out for. First, Canadian heritage in the digital policy driver's seat with a range of digital policies and legislation. Secondly, the policy showdowns would start to reveal themselves. Third, that there were some private members' bills that were worth keeping an eye on. Fourth, that the issues and political concerns and consumer concerns around internet and wireless access would certainly grab some significant attention. And fifth, that privacy and artificial intelligence would emerge as one of the go-to most important policy issues that the public was thinking about and that governments would engage in. Now, let's touch on each of these with a review of the session and, and highlight some of the other things that might have emerged over the last six months. Starting first with Canadian heritage in the driver's seat. and This was an easy thing to predict, and in fact... It's two centerpieces of legislation, Bill C-11 and Bill C-18, did make significant progress from a legislative perspective. Let's start with Bill C-11. As expected, the government accepted some of the Senate's amendments, which were passed just before the end of the year. But perhaps most importantly, the amendment that got the most amount of attention amendment proposed by Senator Simons and Maville Duchesne to scope out user content was rejected. In fact, weeks into the year, Minister Pablo Rodriguez appeared at a conference and made it clear that he had very little interest in making any changes that, in his words, would actually change any of the substance of the legislation. So the government rejected that amendment, ultimately sent it back to the Senate, and it proved controversial right until the end. The Senate continued to express concerns. The Quebec government at the almost last moment began to express some concerns about what the legislation would mean for cultural policy within that province. And some very notable high-profile Canadians, particularly Margaret Atwood, began to speak out against this legislation. But by that point in time, with over a year worth of review, both in the House and the Senate, uh, and dating back even longer, of course, with the predecessor to Bill C-11, Bill C-10, there was really no way to stop this legislation. And towards the end of April, the bill received royal assent. So where are we now? About six, seven weeks after the bill finished its parliamentary journey. Well, we've got now competing consultations taking place on how to go ahead and actually implement the legislation. The government has just released its draft policy direction, which provides instructions to the CRTC for how it would like to see the bill implemented. Now, the headline coming out of that draft policy direction was that they have instructed the CRTC to scope out user content. So the government said they weren't interested in regulating, and they say that they're following through on that with this policy direction. 
though I think it's notable first, the fact that there is even a need for a policy direction really confirms that there was, in fact, legitimate concerns about the inclusion of user content within the legislation, despite the repeated insistence that it was scoped out from the bill. There are other elements that the government had said weren't included, but by virtue of what you read in the policy direction, you see that, in fact, it simply wasn't the case. Algorithms and algorithmic regulation would be a good example of that. The government insisting that algorithms are out, the policy direction instructing the CRTC to minimize the amount of algorithmic regulation that, of course, is not precisely the same thing. In any event, the policy direction, as I say, provides those instructions. It is just in draft form. And it is open to public comment until July 25th. That would be one of the pieces of of summer homework for those that are interested in these issues. The government will presumably take the comments they get on board and put forward a final policy direction, either late in the summer or more likely into the fall. Now, at the same time, overlapping, and I think troublingly so, are CRTC consultations on this issue. And indeed, CRTC already has three consultations on Bill C-11 and has suggested that there will be many more. At least nine consultations are planned over the next year or so. I would say that the, the early reviews of the CRTC consultations has been to express some concern, at least with respect to timelines. CRTC providing very little in the way of, of significant timelines for people to participate in this process. There was a request that came from groups from across the spectrum, both supporters and critics of the bill, asking for additional time. The CRTC rejected that request with respect to two of the consultations and it provided a smaller extension with respect to the third. Now, we have started to see some of the initial responses that have come from many of the participants. I think it's fair to say that many of the concerns that arose as part of the Bill C-11 process have already emerged and been raised with the CRTC. We've got a steady stream of groups that are asking for their own exceptions, everything from Apple asking for exceptions for podcasting and fitness apps. We've got the adult industry, the pornography industry asking for a specific exception. UFC asked for an exception for its Fight Pass service. PBS has asked for an exception for nonprofits. So pretty wide range of groups basically on the sidelines for much of Bill C-11 now saying they want to be outside of the regulatory scope of the bill. Uh, Moreover, we've got a number of groups consistent with some of the kinds of concerns that were raised that are saying that if the regulatory burden is too high, it is quite possible that they may find themselves in a position where they begin to block their service from Canada. This is particularly true for some of the smaller niche services that argue that significant regulations, even some of the more basic ones around registration, could render the services uneconomic in terms of the burden that they face and will have to consider whether to block Canadians from their services. We've even had the had one service to be raise the prospect of actually limiting the size of its catalog, limiting the amount of content that's available to Canadians in light of Bill C-11. Now, all of these things were raised throughout Bill C-11. The government insisted that it had no interest in regulating what Canadians could watch. Yet the early returns are that this this Bill C-11 is going to have real implications for what people can watch, particularly if we do find that services that previously were available to Canadians no longer are. 
Now, that CRTC process is going to take quite some time to play out. There are replies and then the opportunity for responses for two of the consultations. The third larger consultation's deadline is July the 11th, and so there's still time to participate in that consultation. And those will all lead to a hearing scheduled for November but in the meantime, it's even possible that there will be additional consultation. So a lot happening at the CRTC and as well as some at the governmental level with respect to Bill C-11. Now, with respect to Bill C-18, as you listen to this, it's entirely possible that the House of Commons will be dealing with this bill, uh, likely approving it in some form or potentially sending it back to the Senate for approval. But most likely, it appears that Bill C-18 will become law before the House breaks for the summer. The Senate did indeed give comprehensive hearings, or at least more comprehensive hearings that we saw in the House. But I think it's fair to say that we saw very few significant changes. Actually, I don't think we saw any significant changes. We saw, at best, some minor tinkering. When clause by clause of the bill arrived, there were relatively few amendments proposed. There was very little debate. In fact, unlike C-11, in which the clause-by-clause review went on for several sessions, this was all wrapped up within two hours. And so assuming that the amended bill is approved by the House, the bill can be expected to receive royal assent this week. It doesn't take immediate effect. There are regulations that are required Although there is a new amendment that's been included that essentially says there's a time limit on this and all of this has to be done within six months. But I think we can expect that in at least some circumstances, there will be action on this bill even before that. As I record this, Facebook, consistent with what it said it would do, is testing blocking of new sharing on its platform for some Canadians. Uh, It has been very consistent for months now. That if the bill passes in its current form, it will, in fact, block news sharing on its platforms in Canada, noting that news constitutes about 3% of overall usage and is highly substitutable. People spend roughly the same amount of time on the platform, whether it's news links or it's pictures of friends. So uh, I think we can expect Facebook to, over the next few months, should this bill uh, receive that royal assent, to actually move ahead with blocking new sharing on its platform. Google, on the other hand, has said that they haven't made up their mind, although they're concerned. Many will recall that they did test blocking of news links on their platform earlier this year. It remains to be seen how they ultimately uh, respond to this legislation. It's clear the government does not have a real backup plan should one or both of these companies decide to block news links. If they do so, Uh, That will mean that they fall outside of the legislation. They will no longer be digital news intermediaries because they're not facilitating access to news, given that they're not linking to it anymore. And so not only will the revenues that government has suggested could come by way of this legislation be lost, but some of the existing deals may disappear with those companies and news media companies may disappear. And I think moreover, the, the links, which clearly provide significant value to the recipients, to the various publishers, will also disappear, resulting in, in very significant losses. As I say, we haven't seen the government with any sort of backup plan. The Heritage Minister Rodriguez, when asked specifically about the issue, has been very noncommittal. At best, he's mentioned the prospect of government reallocating some of its advertising budget away from these companies. But that isn't really, I think, going to move the dial on this. And so we've had angry words. We had earlier this year what I think 
many viewed as a fishing expedition from the Canadian Heritage Committee, which sought this incredibly disturbing array of information from both of those companies, uh, including third-party communications, any documentation involving any regulation dating back years. That sparked concern and opposition, unsurprisingly, from the affected companies, but frankly, from the entire business community and many in the NGO community as well noting that this represented a significant overstep by the committee, uh, which appeared to be little more than just retribution against these companies. We may see more of that, but whether or not that has the effect of actually changing their perspective and their approach on these issues, uh, I think is somewhat doubtful. The third element from the heritage portfolio, which did not come to fruition, was the online safety or online harms bill. It was expected during the winter or spring session. The issue continues to be very controversial, and we still don't have a bill. Now there is speculation that we will see something later this year. When asked specifically about it and an appearance before committee, uh, Minister Rodriguez suggested it was coming, but that it was clear when he spoke several weeks ago that it certainly wasn't going to come before the summer. Now there was as part of the concern or controversy associated with this bill, um, a series of news stories that focused on requests from governments for social media site takedowns of content. This arose out of, of a request, I believe, from a conservative MP who asked for all records from various departments about requests to social media companies and intermediaries for instances where they had asked for content to be removed. It turns out there were quite a number of those requests at times seeking the removal of lawful content. And kind of that story, I think, has played into some of the broader questions about how an appropriate balance can and will be struck between preserving freedom of expression online, and dealing with some of the real harms that can occur online as well. So that's the, the heritage portfolio. Over the last number of months, we have in fact seen some policy showdowns starting to reveal themselves. We certainly, as I've just suggested, seen that with both Bill C-18 and, and Bill C-11. The United States became fairly vocal on some of these issues as well, particularly on digital taxation. And so the Biden visit that took place in Ottawa back in March, sort of in the lead up to that visit, there was discussions around some of these digital policies between trade officials in the United States and in Canada. And I think the issue is going to continue to fester as there are questions about whether or not the Canadian legislation is consistent with Canada's trade obligations under Kuzma or the USMCA as well as, I think, ongoing concern within the U.S. Congress and elsewhere about some of Canada's digital tax plans. We did also see, as expected, some movement on private members' bills. In the Senate, there is an age verification bill for access to adult sites, although definitions in there are so broad that the include there is the potential for inclusion of far more than just specific adult or pornography sites. Legislation's passed, but hasn't really advanced. There has been some reporting that we may see some age verification provisions included in that online safety or online harms bill. There were a pair of copyright bills as well from a private member's perspective. Both of those did proceed in the House of Commons. They both create or would create new exceptions for any circumvention rules. 
one dealing with the right to repair, another dealing with interoperability. Several weeks ago, I had a podcast uh, focused on the right to repair. Those bills are likely to head to the Senate, and we will see what the the Senate's response is, the possibility of further hearings or whether or not uh, it gets a fairly quick ride through and we get the first two big new exceptions to any circumvention rules in Canada. Now, of course, the wireless file did indeed also attract significant attention, particularly the Rogers-Shaw merger, which was, as I think most expected, approved. There were concerns being raised by many consumer groups and others about the impact on competition, but it, it always felt as if this was a bit of a done deal. And sure enough, the government went ahead and approved that merger. The other thing that that took place and has played out over the last number of months does involve personnel at the CRTC, particularly the new chair of the CRTC, Vicky Etrides, who I think upon her appointment coming from the Competition Bureau was was widely hailed as, as a breath of fresh air. The focus on competition was expected to provide a, a new and important point of emphasis for the CRTC. I think over the last number of months, some of that early optimism has given way to increasing frustration with uh, the new chair being certainly not consumer focused or focused on the interests of the of the broader public, or even one might some might say the, the the public interest. They weren't, for example, in a recent speech even identified as a stakeholder within the context of Bill C eleven. There is some concern and frustration from from some of the companies as well, from some of the the telecom sector, leaving many with the with the sense that there is really one voice that the the chair and the current CRTC is most interested in, and that's the the voice of government, which raises real questions about the independence of the CRTC. And it's still early days, but there is, I think, mounting frustration and indeed, I think, almost fear that the current chair simply does not view the public as stakeholders in the same way that some of the other more industry-focused stakeholders might be. Now, finally, the the fifth issue that uh, I had identified was privacy and artificial intelligence. And and of course, AI really became, in many ways, the big story over the last six months. You could see it coming. ChatGPT back at the start of the year had, had really begun to capture people's imagination. And I think that it's been very clear that the public has continued to, to focus on this. We've seen it from a market perspective. We've seen it from a regulatory perspective. It comes up in a whole series of different places. Now, the legislation designed to look at both privacy and artificial intelligence is Bill C-27, and it frankly went nowhere again, unlike the Bill C-11s and 18s of the world that have been, if not fast-tracked, prioritized by the government. C-27 just hasn't, and it took a very long time to get the bill passed at second reading in the House, and the committee that was charged with looking at this legislation, the industry committee, uh, did not hold any hearings. The expectation is those hearings will will start in the fall. There has been, I think, the perspective from many that the Bill C-27, in trying to deal with both privacy and AI, and AI ought to be split. And in fact, the Speaker of the House agreed that the the inclusion of both of these bills opened the door to at least separate votes on the privacy components of the bill and the AI components of the bill. It still was approved at second reading and sent to committee, but that ability to have separate votes remains. And so it remains entirely possible 
that once the bill gets out of committee, should the bill get out of committee, that there will in fact be separate votes for the two different bills. Interestingly, while the privacy component of C-27 really did not get much in the way of any sort of political impetus, uh, there was a brief moment where there was a bit of pressure to try to move forward with on AI with some notable AI luminaries in Canada arguing that something was better than nothing and that it was essential for the government to move forward. Um, there, That perspective continues to be held. My own view was that AIDA, the AI portion of the bill, is deeply flawed and that we need to do better. We need, frankly, more specifics. It's really just a shell of a piece of legislation with almost all the specifics left for a later date. But regardless of the perspective, uh, the bill never did advance, and we'll have to wait for the fall. There, there were several other privacy-related issues that that certainly captured attention over the last number of months and are worth mentioning. First, the Facebook Cambridge Analytica case. It's odd to be talking about Facebook Cambridge Analytica so many years after that issue first emerged, but as was covered in a podcast that I did with uh, my colleague, Teresa Scazza, the case, Facebook challenged the commissioner's decision, went to the court, and the court ruled for Facebook in this case, dismissing the privacy commissioner's claim against it. The privacy commissioner has filed an appeal in that case. So the Cambridge Analytica case will continue to play out, but uh, certainly was, I think, a source of surprise and, and some concern for many. Privacy, while it did not move forward on Bill C-27, did move forward in the budget in a discouraging way, or at least in the Budget Implementation Act. Question here involves the role of privacy in the political parties. And while governments have been willing to at least talk about tougher privacy rules with respect to the private sector, they haven't done much when it comes to their own sets of privacy rules, and they've done arguably even less when it comes to political parties, their own parties, who fall through the cracks. The inclusion in the budget really doesn't change that at all. And so including it in the budget, or more accurately, the Budget Implementation Act in this omnibus bill means that it wasn't the subject of, of significant discussion. It was the subject of a podcast episode that I did with Professor Colin Bennett. Uh, but it seems likely to pass. And this issue about how our data is used by political parties uh, will continue to fester. Finally, this sort of bridges both privacy and security. It's worth noting that the last number of months has also seen a TikTok ban on in many government from many governments at federal, provincial, and even municipal levels, the the impact of that ban, fairly widespread. It's limited, supposedly, to devices on, gover on, on government-owned devices. But um, we've seen this play out in universities. We've seen it play out in hospitals in some parts of the country. And the question of whether TikTok is any different than any of the other social media companies and whether or not what we really need is simply stronger privacy rules as opposed to um, targeted bans against particular apps, I think, is a question that a lot of people have, and, and perhaps we'll get some answers in the months ahead. So that's what's been taking place over the last six months. I mentioned, in a sense, summer homework, and there are several places where people who are interested in these issues can get involved. I've highlighted a few of them already. There is, once again, the CRTC's consultations on Bill C-11, the largest one, dealing with things like thresholds and assortment of other rules. First deadline there is July 11th, so there are several weeks still available to provide a submission. There is also the government policy direction that I mentioned. The deadline to provide comments to the government is July 25th. It is possible, should Bill C-18 
receive royal assent, as is expected that we may see the CRTC move quickly with consultations on that bill as well. I guess stay tuned. And finally, lawful access is back in yet another consultation. This one coming from Public Safety and Justice. Hasn't got a lot of attention yet, but I think it really needs more attention. The deadline for submissions on this is August 2nd. Talks about modernization of of an assortment of, of different powers, but included within that is the question of lawful access on in what circumstances should law enforcement be able to access basic subscriber information or other information from telecom companies? Is a new warrant required in light of the Supreme Court of Canada Spencer decision from many years ago? Uh, and if so, is there going to be some sort of customized warrant for this kind of information? The consultation also asks about access to information on devices and so could have enormous implications, quite frankly, for privacy in the digital sphere. Has not got a lot of attention, but people have time. It's worth taking a look at that particular consultation. I'll I'll provide a link to it in the show notes of this episode um, and taking the time to participate in that consultation as well. So it's been a very active six months as expected during this parliamentary session and that activity will continue over the summer this podcast will continue as well it may take uh, a break here and there for a week or two but generally speaking lots lots is happening so i expect to continue to producing those episodes thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time that's the law bites podcast for this week if you have comments suggestions or other feedback write to lawbites at pobox.com. Follow the podcast on Twitter at lawbitespod or Michael Geist at mgeist. You can download the latest episodes from my website at michaelgeist.ca or subscribe via RSS at Apple Podcast, Google, or Spotify. The Lawbites podcast is produced by Gerardo LeBron LeBoy. Music by the LeBoy brothers, Gerardo and Jose LeBron LeBoy. Credit information for the clips featured in this podcast can be found in the show notes for this episode at michaelgeist.ca. I'm Michael Geist. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.